Hey everyone, before we start this episode, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. In this episode, we'll be talking about depression and suicidal thoughts. If you feel like this might bring up things for you, I encourage you to listen to only whatever is comfortable for you or even skip this episode altogether. If you're dealing with suicidal thoughts or know someone who is, I encourage you to seek support through the crisis line, which is linked in the description of this episode, or seek professional services. All right, let's get started. It's all good. Hey everyone, welcome to It's All Good. This is a podcast all about well-being. Every episode, I have a new guest join me to share personal stories and give ways to take care of health and wellness. I'm Lauren, and today I'm joined by my friend Cindy. Let's meet our guest. Hi everyone, this is Cindy, and thanks for having me here. I am a recent graduate from UBC. With, Congratulations. Thank you. I uh, was degree in psychology, and I'm very passionate about coding and mental health issues. That's why I'm here today to share stories with you all. We met working at UBC together last summer. She's here to share her story about dealing with depression and what helped her get through a difficult time. She'll talk about the immense pressure to thrive academically, dealing with negative self-talk, and coping with feelings of isolation. We'll talk about the value in sharing our stories and the courage to be vulnerable. Yes, so um, I should probably give a little bit of background about myself. So I was born in Taiwan, and I grew up in Taiwan And as a kid, I have been a perfectionist. And for the most part of my life, like, it works pretty well. I was a straight-A student. Uh, I participate in, like, piano competition or sports competition. And I'm very self-disciplined and goal-oriented. What a great employee to have. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Anyone looking for an employee? I mean, we've got one right here. I know it sounds like a successful story, but... So as everyone expected, I entered one of the most prestigious senior high school in Taiwan. And after a few months like in high school, I, I feel really disappointed about the school life. And I feel frustrated pretty much all the time about my performance because I feel like my hard work didn't pay off. Like, say, if I got 70, I would be upset. But Probably the class average was 60, but I'm still upset about myself. I feel like I'm just not good enough. And it's honestly very stressful when studying uh, in high school in Taiwan because we literally have to study for 10 different subjects. It's actually pretty stressful to prepare, let alone we also have arts class. I have art project, music project as well. Like I have to prepare for a musical because I was the leading actor. Oh my gosh. I was really actress, but we are I study in Oak Girls High School. So <laughs> someone has to be the actor. That's so funny. <laughs> and I was had a thing that the short haircut, so mm. it was like, hey, you should be the actor. <laughs> the more you tell me about yourself, I'm just so amazed. Like, you're top of your class, you know, you are a Broadway star. I'm, okay, keep going. Yeah, so that's a lot. And the exams are not easy. They're just super difficult all the time. Yeah, I kind of just jump right into senior high because that's the when I might feel like I suffer from suicidal thoughts and like depressed feeling and but still in school I pretend everything's fine I I fake a smile in front of my friends and 
make some funny jokes at a time. And, but what they didn't know about it's there are several nights I actually was just crying in my room I, when I go to sleep. And well, I start questioning the meaning of life. Why am I here? I feel like there's nothing I, I'm really looking forward to. I just want to kill myself. And yeah, like those emotions kind of escalated until one day. I, I still remember the day, even though it's been um, like six years ago. It was a drizzly day. And it was also the day of my midterm. And I went to another building's top floor and then just climbed over the ledge, just waiting for the right time to jump. But um, at that time, I guess my the tears just streaming at the edge of my eyes when I stared at the sky. It was you know cloudy and and but fortunately I didn't jump <laughs> and someone find me because I'm not in classroom and it's midterm. You should not miss your exam, right? So the counselor was like, oh, can you come back down? It's kind of scary. I'm, I'm kind of scared right now. Can, can we just talk in the office? And I was like, okay. And so that was the major incident. Well, there are other attempts, but not at school. Um, so, yeah, after that, I actually went to see a doctor and I was prescribed with some medication. And I only take the medication once because it. after I take the medication, it just slowed down my reaction. Like my ability to process information, which is so slow. Like when I look at the, say some easy math questions, like what the heck is this? And at the time, I really decided this is not the final solution because the more I dug into myself, the more I realized I was my own enemy. I pushed myself too hard and I don't forgive my failures sometimes. I just need more space and allow failures and be more open-minded, I guess. And um, after that, I made another uh, big life decision. I had the really, really long conversation with my family. And there's some tension and disagreement. But I eventually decided to take a year off. It's a fancy term, but I was a high school dropout. <laughs> <laughs> and while well, I mean, in Asian culture drop off of high school seems to associate with some like negative stereotypes like so I don't really like um, I wasn't proud of like being a high school dropout but there's one thing f I know for sure is that I just don't want to go back to school because every time I go into school the same environment just kind of trigger those negative emotions although I didn't tell my parents but if they didn't let me like take a year off from school, I I, I will probably like um, try to kill myself again at school. So, well, I'm glad we finally reached a agreement with my parents. They say, well, I'll tell them about my plans during the gap year. 
But in reality, I was scared. I actually don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't sure like where I'm heading to. It's still a lot of uncertainties about future, but I think that's the best decision I can make at the time because you know I just don't want to go back to school. And during the gap year, I well I learned many new things. Like I try out many new things, like paragliding or, <laughs> or like horse riding, and I learned some Japanese just to like because I was trying to visit Japan, and yeah, I only learned one phrase. <laughs> I guess it's important though. Like, where's the toilet in Japanese? <laughs> That's probably the only phrase you know. Yeah, like, but I was speaking so fluently that when I spoke with someone actually in Japan, the lady replied me in like natural speed. I was like, I actually don't know like, <laughs> what you're talking, about. but no, I no. guess it's either a left or right. So, <laughs> yeah. wow, you really nailed that one phrase. You yeah, sounded like, like a local. Uh, yeah, I think I still remember that phrase. Like, so we must say, toilet wa doko desu ka? Excuse me, where's the toilet? So that sounded. If you, if I didn't know you, I would think, oh, you're Japanese. <laughs> that sounded so great. I'm. I think I'm great at learning languages. So yeah, it's my gift. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the gap year really. I think everything I went through and that gap year really enriched my life experiences also recharge my batteries that's the most important thing uh, having some time out to to really heal and and build resilience I guess and after gap year I made another life decision <laughs> there's so many big life decisions I made during that year so because I don't want to go back to school and I was trying to find a way out, like I can continue, go to university without a high school degree. And I found that uh, it's doable in the States. <laughs> it's called like two plus two program, two years in community college and two years in a traditional four-year university. So then I started preparing for all the exams needed and documents for to apply for uh, community college in Seattle. That's my choice. And yeah, that's, and I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, jump, jump kind you of fast. Like yeah, five years, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for now. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I'm really honored that you're sharing this on my podcast because, I mean, these are really hard things that you went through. And to be that vulnerable and to share that with me and with everyone, I, it's it's a privilege. Thank you. So you're saying in high school, so you said around grade 11, this is when you started having suicidal thoughts? Mm-hmm. I think mostly I first thing about school and secondly, I just, I just hate myself a lot because, you know, growing up being a perfectionist, like I always get high scores and then I took it for granted then all of a sudden in senior high school things go uh, get really difficult and so I just not satisf- satisfied with my performance all the time mm, yeah. you had a lot of self-criticism yeah even if you did well there's something telling you that oh, you could have done better kind of thing yeah like always so yeah it's pretty dysfunctional <laughs> right 
it's the feeling like people don't really understand me. Mm-hmm. Even you're surrounded by people who genuinely care about yourself, but you know they just don't know the part I'm struggling. That I'm doing well at school, but I'm struggling, and they didn't see the part I'm struggling. And that's I, I think that's the root of the feeling of loneliness at the same time, and also the gap year. Like, yeah, I can tell you what loneliness feel like because there's no one. Because all of your peers are at school, and you're taking a year off, and I try to not contact my friends because I know they are. You know, I just don't want to you know, uh, disturb them or bother them because they're trying to study for uh, for the entry entrance exam into the university. The gap year was really a mixed feeling. I think. While I feel lonely, but at the same time, I guess I've I found my inner peace because I have so much time now, and then just take a little bit stress out of my like schoolwork from my life and trying to figure out what I really want to do. Like, do you feel like in Taiwan, like mental health is really stigmatized there? I won't say really stigmatized, but I think just a general like social stigma about mental health, like people are mentally ill or they are crazy or they're just acting weird. Mm-hmm. But you know, for people with suicidal thoughts, they are like, they are not dangerous, but they are instead they are probably hurting themselves. We mm-hmm. don't. I don't think in high school we discuss enough about mental health. Mm-hmm. Like we do have a counselor at school, but it's more like career counseling. It's mm-hmm. not. So yeah, the counselor that uh, talk to me, it's well, they do have psychology background, but still, it's, their purpose is more like career advisor. So mm-hmm. more, it's not like at UBC you have counseling service. They're like clinical counselor. They are not clinical counselor. Mm, I see. So, like they're not equipped to be like a therapist or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's a major barrier. I Yeah, I think so. Because if you're talking to someone that maybe isn't qualified to support you or give you advice, then that can make it even harder to reach for help. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, sometimes I, I think all of my classmates just like to go to the school counselor and just chat. Like, <laughs> they're not really talking about, like, any serious issue. Let's just, oh, I let the chat time just make me feel happier mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh that's great but yeah but for more serious condition i do think yeah we do need to have to have some like certified like clinical counselor on campus it would be nice but mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that's a common thing um in asia what do you think was helpful for you i would definitely say well my family are like being my family are being really supportive throughout the process you know at, at first although they didn't agree with me about my decision of dropping out of high school but you know after I made that decision they were like okay you are determined and we, we just want you to be happy mm-hmm. you know do whatever you need to do right and when they have free time they would actually take me just travel around well in Taiwan but still mm-hmm. um it's nice like people in 12th grade they are studying 
so hard and I was traveling. <laughs> You're like relaxing on the beach or something. Yeah, I was trying different things. Mm-hmm. There, the other time I post a photo about paragliding, people were like, What are you doing? <laughs> They're like, Cindy, what? Shouldn't you be in school right now? Like, shouldn't yeah. you be in history class? And actually, some people will be like, oh, actually, I'm so jealous. You're taking oh. a year off. <laughs> little did they know. <laughs> yeah, little did they know. So, mm. yeah. so tell me more about your time in Seattle. Moved to Seattle in 2014 and start my, start my college at, at is it Seattle Central College. Shout out. Yep, shout out to <laughs> Seattle Central College. And I really love um, this it, because it's not like UBC. It's a small college and people are from diverse cultural backgrounds. I literally learn so much from everyone. And I I think in Seattle, I, I found a sense of belonging by joining the group by joining the Taiwanese Student Association. Like, we have different events going on. And my roommates, both are Taiwanese. They're super nice people. And although we only been together for two years, like, we lived together for uh, actually only one year, but we still keep in touch nowadays. Um, and I think really coping with any kind of mental health issues about social support and sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So having the social support was really important for you when you're moving to a completely different place. And yeah, and I don't have family in Seattle. That's another thing, yeah. That's a huge risk that you made. Yeah, I I was just so desperate to change environment because I think maybe changing to a new environment having a new start because no one will learn about my past. No one will probably be judgmental. I can, you know, start my own new adventure in Seattle. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad that you had such a good experience there. And then you ended up transferring to UBC two years later. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, for UBC, I honestly don't feel that much sense of belonging because, you know, as a trans student, I was actually quite overwhelmed on the imagine day. It was like, oh my God, there's so <laughs> many students. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, there are a hundred students in a lecture. Like, because mm-hmm. in Seattle, we used to have like only 20, 30 students in class. I get to know my professor so well that we become Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. But in, at, I mean, at UBC, it's impossible. The professor will be like, who are you? <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to ask for a reference, right? It's just like, who? can you remind me again? Which mm. class? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's not uncommon in a class of 200 people. I mean, it's hard to like, really make those connections with your mm-hmm. professors. And also, I think, connection with your peers as well. Because I think university people are so busy. They volunteer. They have part-time jobs. And after the class, they just disappear i don't know where they go mm-hmm. they just uh unless you have group project then you probably work de- work together but the thing is you probably at each other on facebook but once the semester is finished you never get to see each other again mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and yeah that's something that really surprised me i guess in first year because i guess when you think of university you think of it oh you're gonna there's so many people at ubc and 
so easy to make friends, but yeah, I guess I was really surprised at how difficult it really was. Even though UBC is so big and there's so many people, it's still easy to feel isolated. So we were talking a little bit earlier about loneliness, and you brought up how social media plays a huge role in increasing these feelings of loneliness of not only university students, but just anyone. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how does it contribute to our loneliness? I would say for Instagram, because for me, I actually uninstall Instagram because I feel like every time just browsing through this beautiful photos and people posting about the food, a place they've been to, it just make me feel like, oh, my life sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of social comparison right there. Even when probably people have a rough day, but they still post photos about the best part of their life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, and for Facebook, I think um, if, it, if it, it's not like real connection, and if it substitute your real connection, then it can be detrimental for your mental health. Mm. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, it's easy to look at social media and say, oh, everyone's life is so much better than mine. But, I mean, of course it is if, it's, if people are just posting the highlights of mm-hmm. their life. I'm really glad that you uninstalled it. Did you, like, delete it altogether? I, I still have my on my desktop top just mm-hmm. for a purpose of following people I care <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some people I care about at the very least yeah I want to know what they're up to I mean yeah like my brother <laughs> <laughs> can you share that story <laughs> oh I was just you know curious about what my brother's is up to so I create another account <laughs> and low-key follow him on Instagram <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah, just end of story. But he later realized <laughs> the name is suspicious and the picture seems to be from Vancouver. Uh, wait, what was the name? Like BC style. <laughs> Such a <BC>. lame. <laughs> oh, you kind of put two and two together. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really funny. You I just... hope you're not listening to it. <laughs> Do you think he would? Probably not. He's too busy. No. But. <laughs> and also he knows that you already made it. So it's not like this is a confession or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like social media, it's mainly for seeking social approval from oh, others. Yeah. Like liking and give heart. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we really need someone to validate your life because that's yeah. your choice. And yeah, I'm mostly nowadays I just follow like creative arts on Instagram. I just want to get some inspiration, but I mm-hmm. don't really want to see like celebrities' photos. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so before we wrap this up, first of all, thank you for being here today. It's been an honor. I want to ask you what advice do you have for people that maybe have been through something similar as you did or Maybe advice for people that want to help their friends. So I just want to say you have so much potential that you don't even realize yet. And life is really hard. Challenges are daunting. But whatever you are going through right now, you might feel like you're stuck in this stuck place by yourself. But you're not alone. And I would like to quote from Brene Brown's. Love that. Um, You are wired for struggle. But... You're worthy of love and belonging. 
And there's no courage without vulnerability. Acknowledge your vulnerability because it's not a weakness. I want to thank Cindy for sharing her story and for being so open and honest. The whole point of the season of this podcast is to share stories and hopefully have people be able to connect with them. So I've been reflecting on how I connect to this story. I've never experienced depression or suicidal thoughts, but I've definitely experienced feeling isolated or feeling like people don't understand you. And I think a lot of us can relate to Cindy about being hard on ourselves or dealing with a lot of external pressures to thrive academically. A lot of us, especially in university, go through really similar experiences, but it can feel like we're the only ones going through it. Because these things are hard to talk about, and sometimes it feels easier to just keep things to ourselves. I still find it difficult to have conversations about depression and suicide, and it's something that I continue to learn how to navigate. But I realize that there is significant value in not only sharing your story, but in listening to other people's stories. Certainly, listening to Cindy's story opened my eyes, and it allowed me to better understand her and others who have gone through similar things. And of course, all of our experiences are unique, and we may never be able to fully understand another person's experience. But after having more and more of these conversations, I'm finding that elements of all of our stories are strikingly universal. Coming back to this episode, as much as this is a story about pain and hardship, it's a story about hope and resilience. It's about connecting with others and reaching out for support and finding the courage to be vulnerable. Life can be hard and stressful and frustrating, but like Cindy said, we don't have to go through it alone. Thank you so much for listening. We talked about some pretty heavy topics today, so if anything came up for you while listening to this episode, I encourage you to reach out to others or seek support from a professional. I'll link some mental health resources in the description as well. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave a rating or review and like the Facebook page to stay updated for new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks everyone, and I'll see you next time.